You are. you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super honored and excited for today's guest, John Madsen, Sergey Young, Barton Scott, Frank Yosset, Jason Salford, Robert Overvec, Ariel Garten. So what are kind of maybe some like uh, different things, you know, some of the guys that are watching this, you know, they're like, okay, cool. You know, I'm at the gym right now. I think I'm eating healthy. Maybe I'm eating paleo. Maybe I'm eating keto or whatever that may be, you know. Um, what are some things they can take and start to implement right now today? Yeah, yeah, this is this is an awesome question. I, I truly think that people are addicted to hard sometimes, right? It's like they it's almost like this unconscious thing where a person needs to feel like they've they've uh, they deserve something. And so they got to go super hard to pro prove to themselves that they deserve, you know, a certain amount of money or a certain amount of fitness, right? No different right. than the guy spending 12 to 16 hours a day at work. It's like at some level, there's this like, I have to feel like I've deserved this wealth. And so I got to prove to myself how hard I can make it. I think people do that in fitness all the time. They yeah. want to give up, they want to give up carbs, they want to give up all cocktails forever, they'd want to do two a days. And so what are some things that a person need could do and make it much more efficient? The first thing that we would do is get really clear on the actual outcome. What do you want to look like, right? Because if there's a guy that wants to lose 50 pounds, it's completely okay for that guy to buy a Peloton bike and do it three, four, five times a week and not go to a gym. We can lose weight doing a whole bunch of, of stuff. Sure. Now, I have, uh, I don't know if per people can see the video, but I have a vision board in back of me and forever, the top picture is always King Leonidas in 300, oh, right? Yeah. If, you know, people have seen 300, King Leonidas with the shirt off yep. is you know, six packed out and strong and powerful. If a person's like, I wanna look like that, then we gotta put the Peloton away we got to put the group fitness class away and we got to get a little bit more serious about, you know, training in the, in an actual real gym. And then we can outline what that plan looks like and really go for that goal in a straight line instead of like doing the wrong thing to try to get a result. So I think a lot of times people try stuff and they're not actually really clear about what that final result looks like. Right. It's like, sure. Yeah. Tell me what you want and then I can customize a plan to get you there. Generally speaking, you know, people do a bunch of fad diets. They think it's easier to just do intermittent fasting or keto or paleo because there's some hard rules and it's easier for them, especially as high performing businessmen to be like, you know what, easy, I'll just cut out carbs and I'll lose weight. And it works for a little bit, but inevitably it plateaus. And then they're going, well, I'm not eating carbs. I don't really understand why it's not working. And so they don't understand the real mechanism that drives actual fat loss then they get frustrated or they get sick of not eating carbs or they can't sustain it for the rest of their lives and inevitably they fall back. And so creating a sustainable plan, teaching a person, not, not, not only telling a person what to do, but teaching them their actual mechanism that can drive fat loss so that they can then go and have that business lunch or they can go and eat dinner with clients and understand, you know, they don't have to completely give up everything to, to lose weight. So for me, here's kind of our non-negotiables. Resistance training, 45 minutes to 60 to 60 minutes, three to four times a week, 
right? We're going to focus on getting getting a little bit stronger. That doesn't mean being power lifter. That just means following an intelligent uh, resistance uh, training program three to four times a week for 45 to 60 minutes. Okay. 10,000 steps per day. You have an Apple, you know, iWatch, a Fitbit, a cell phone. Keep track of how many steps you're actually taking because if you're like me even, I'm on this computer doing stuff like this all the time. I'll sure. look down at eight o'clock at night and I have like 2000 steps and I'm like, that is, that is sedentary, right? So 10,000 steps is like, okay, cool. We're, that's we're like active. your minimum. Yeah. We're active enough. And then number three is understanding calories, carbohydrates, fats, and uh, protein and understanding that your targets are not your brother-in-laws are not your sisters are not your wife's your targets are yours based on your meta metabolic rate. You have to figure out, approximately how much fuel you need and you need to hit them and it's actually not that hard it takes probably five minutes more extra per day and once you understand that you never struggle again and you could take your fitness from really bad to good or you could go from good to be that one person who's super elite in a relatively short amount of time depending on where you start and so you know obviously as you know entrepreneurs you, you maybe you're not an athlete or things like that i mean as you know we're you know you're working hard, you're trying to build your company, trying to spend time you know, with your family, you know, what are kind of some of those like signs that we, you know, you know, may need, may need, you know, extra supplementation or things like that. Cause we, you know, we we think we're eating organic and, you know, healthy and, and all, but I mean, obviously, I know you mentioned kind of like rundown or brain fog, as you mentioned that you had. So what are some other things that you found? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mood, I would say, is another like, are you just like very monotone in your mood? Okay. Uh, that, that's a sign. That's like a creeping sign. Are you waking up multiple times? Do you struggle with anxiety? Hmm. Uh, have you sort of normalized anxiety? I'll tell you a quick story. So my, my friend Tara Garrison, who's a great follow on Instagram, she puts out incredible content uh, with her you know, working out mindset, super, super tough chick. She's, she can squat more than most guys, um, run six minute miles, has four kids <laughs> and then likes, you know, it looks amazing. Like, and mindsets will approve. When I looked at her, her hair analysis back when I was still doing it, uh, before we had a team of nutritionists that like help people through their, their results. Sure. I, uh, I said, Tara, I've got some bad news. I was like, you probably don't remember your dreams, do you? So this is another sign. And she said, yeah, I, she's like, I now I haven't really dreamed in like five years or so. And, um, you know, anytime someone has, you know, is, is giving birth they're they're obviously putting out a lot of nutrients and you have to recover that. So right. women that are looking to get pregnant, actually even guys too men should be taking a, a, a view in um infertility too because you can boost sperm quality okay. um you know magnesium zinc there's there's different things that uh guys could be taking that frankly I've, i haven't heard anyone talk about different topic but um you know as it, as it relates to this she was saying and and symptoms uh she was she was saying after she said you know it's been about a month now and my deep sleep has improved dramatically, probably to the tune of 25% or so, you know, using aura ring or, or 
uh, whoop, whatever she is using. Yeah. And she said, the thing that is at least as important or maybe more important is she said, I, I just was used to willing myself to wake up early in the morning, you know, 435 and thinking like, oh, it's this tough for everybody. And she said, (laughs) "It, it isn't. She said, it really isn't. And she said, I know that now. And she said, I think I knew that at some point, but it was such a gradual degradation she said that I, I'm just super thankful that, that I feel as good as I do now because I can go out and do all the fun things, lift hard and, and, you know, be a successful entrepreneur and all this thing. She just put a, a book out that's in like every Costco. She, you know, she's done a lot in the last couple of years and, you know, runs marathons, all these different things. And we, we work with a lot of high performers. And I think when you're used to performing at a high level, you know, your mindset's so good that you just think, oh, it's just me, like total right. ownership. It's just me. I, there's, I don't need any help. I'll, I'll do it all myself. And if it's tough, I'll just figure out a way to do it. Well, figuring out a way to do it, maybe taking a step back and going, how can I do it better? How can I sharpen the ax instead of just spend more time chopping on the tree? So I'm, that's very much how I look at life and how I approach things is how do I maximize my ability to enjoy life and build a successful company and, and help a lot of people? Um, so in other words, goals, how do I, how do I really maximize my ability to achieve the things I care about and have clarity on like whether or not they're even worth pursuing? And you need to know if you're not, te- if you're not testing, you're guessing. So we, we've, mm, yeah, we, one of our, yeah, one of the things we trademarked is Josh is, is test, don't guess, test, comma, don't guess. Uh, and I realized in talking to so many of my smart, you know, health optimizing friends that, that they're not testing. And I just say to people, like, if you want to call yourself a biohacker or, you know, if, if you think that you're really dialed in, if you're not testing and you're just spending hundreds of dollars every month on supplements, then you're, you're definitely leaving a lot on the table. And that results in when you look back, you know, five years, 10 years from now, if you don't do anything different, there's a lot of achieving that you could have done and a lot less grinding that you would have had to do. Uh, first start things I started uh, experimenting with was diet was, um, was extended and intermittent fasting, cutting carbs and sugar, going more towards the uh, high fat, um, low carb kind of diet. Uh, the fasting was was really like really testing myself. I started exposing myself. I started like sleeping outside in my yard in the summer in Phoenix. Um, just like you know, this is this is where we come from, right? This is right. <laughs> we're not a species that always had houses and climate control, right? Like, people camping out, sleeping desert, outside. Man. Still millions of people sleeping in the desert at night. Like, <laughs> like what can I do here that's a little uncomfortable, but is more in alignment with with my evolutionary biology, with the, with the history, the millions of years of history of uh, of you know biology that evolved us into the species that we are today, and that's what led me to my first ice bath in October of 2017. There was a, a local yoga instructor named Gordon Ogden who uh, was doing these sporadic uh, Wim Hof uh, morning. Mm-hmm breathwork yeah. sessions in an ice bath. And a couple of my friends were posting to their Instagram, like, here's me getting into an ice bath. And I'm like, 
Well, now hold on a second. <laughs> what is that? It's going to be uncomfortable sleeping outside in, you know, because it never drops below 100 degrees here in the summer. <laughs> so it's still 100 degrees at two o'clock in the morning. If I could sleep outside in my lawn um, to stress myself in a 100 degree heat overnight, here's something else that I might try out. Like, what can I, what can I, what can my body get from this experience? And so, I went, I did that um, that morning class. He, you'd get a text message like Thursday night because it wasn't even every week. Thursday night, you get a text like, hey, we're doing Wim Hof, 6 a.m. at the house. Bring two bags of ice if you're in. Great. So I did that a few times. The first ice bath, and that was like something clicked. Um, you know, I got into it. Maybe it lasted 30 seconds. I know I was in there long <laughs> enough to, to get past the, um, the panic state and to like have that calm, you know, set in. I know I was in there long and that long. I don't think it was anywhere near two minutes. Um, but getting out, I was like, bam, this is something. Like there's something here about this. I didn't know exactly what it was, certainly had nowhere near the detail that we've we've researched um, ever since. But that visceral experience was something like it just like all my systems were just coming back online. It was like a reboot to the nervous system, to the vascular system. I was like, feeling things that that I, i'd never felt before but for some reason it felt like like i have the equipment i've got the equipment to feel this stuff i've got the equipment to like have this perspective all of the hardware is there it was the software that got reset and right so i did a few more of those my my wife adrian she was getting curious about it she'd already started and got curious about the fasting so she was doing that she was experiencing a lot of benefit um, with that she was starting to reduce the amount of supplements um, that she was taking because she was she was just experimenting with what can I do with my diet that would that would help me feel better or help me feel better about myself instead of these supplements and so that was already kind of shrinking down. Uh, but Adrian, my wife, she was still working a job where she couldn't show up to these ice bath classes. So I got my own galvanized steel tub, uh, got it to the backyard here in Phoenix, Arizona, and we just started doing our own Sunday you know breath work and cold baths and you know the breathing it's not hard it's not hard to replicate you know once right. you do it a couple of times like okay i got it you know breathe 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 hold 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 um go you can do it and then ice bath and that's when um we brought our other business partner tom who's an engineering professor at asu that's how he and i met um into it and we were starting to get into some of the research like tom is a professor he's a research scientist so what he does he gets into the literature and tries to connect dots and so he, we're getting into the science of it we're learning that this isn't just a party trick it's not just something cool that looks good on instagram right walking on coals and everybody's like ah oh, johnny walked on coals like there was there we were finding there was a lot of benefit we were starting to solidify that scientific understanding of what was happening to the vagus nerve, to uh, to the white blood cell count, to the vasomotor constrictive response, to um, to the thyroid and hormonal regulation, we're starting to understand like there's some there's something here to this, and we wanted to be able to do it more often. You know, we were tired of buying two three hundred pounds of ice um, once a week to get our two hour ice bath. I spent a lot of time trying to make ice blocks by using Costco salsa tubs. Um, nice. and I with water and stacking them in a freezer and then, and I was still spending all week and just getting one ice bath a week. Right. So I was like, there's gotta be a mechanical solution out there. We didn't invent cold plunges. Wim Hof didn't invent cold plunges. So we looked online and there's a couple solutions out there. 
but they're they were only facing um, like sports teams and um, and physical rehabilitation centers and the price right. points were very high, like twenty thousand dollars and very very sports like or very medicinal or whatever. There was nothing for this emerging culture of the individual practitioner, the person who wants to go to a, a wellness studio that's a little more yogic in its decor or to have something in their backyard or their home gym or a biohacking center. And so Tom and I are like, we're engineers. <laughs> let's see if we can we figure can this do. out. <laughs> I don't know thermodynamics. How hard can it be? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it turns out really freaking hard because the theory and the practice can be divergent. The theory is very important to get you over the humps of the practice. But um, so I just started destroying dorm fridges in my backyard, uh, nice. learning like where where's the part that makes the cold? How, do, how does it draw the thermal energy out of the indoor space and dissipate it to the outdoor space? That's where the the theory comes in. I at least knew that's what the process was, but now I had to mechanically figure out how is this happening, and can I do this in water? Can I can I take a refrigerator that is just sucking the thermal energy out of solids inside an enclosed space, and can I do that in a tub of water? And after you know destroying three or four uh, refrigerators and freezers, it turns out that yeah, I can. I had a very ugly prototype. It was a tub that sat on a bed of sand, had a pine box built around it, like four hundred dollars worth of spray foam in the sides, and a big refrigerator door sitting on the top of it <laughs> as a lid. And you know, after a few days of running this backyard engineering prototype, uh, I had an all the time ice bath. And we just realized that you know we set out to to solve some of our own problems, um, but we were solving a problem that a lot of people were having. I kept looking online on Instagram and seeing the same Costco salsa containers. People were like, I'm making ice blocks now. I'm like, I got something for you, buddy. <laughs> let, me, let me polish up this prototype and put it in the market and see where it goes. Um, so without taking our entire half an hour just on the origin story. <laughs> Well, it's funny um, you say that. Very short, my, my wife, she got into the practice as well. And uh, after about a year or so, she was off of all medications and supplements, wow, including awesome. the synthetic hormone. Um, and maybe that'll be something that she can come on and talk about. But absolutely amazing. She did what was supposed to be medically impossible, which once you do the medically impossible and post about it online, all the other people who did things that are medically impossible start to come out and be like, oh, yeah, they're <laughs> lying to you when they tell you you can't get off that hormone or you'll die. Um, but here we are. What results should we expect from, you know, a, a, right, the so, ketonate or a ketone water or a... Yeah. So this is the, the main drink, the KE4. And then we also have something called KE1, which has six times more water and you can dilute it and it tastes fine. The KE4 tastes really rough. It, got, it was so strong. Initially, we were supposed to take an entire bottle, if not two. But people started taking one and two capfuls. The cap accidentally became the measuring tool. And we ran out of these caps and the manufacturer was like, oh, we'll just give you the smaller caps. I'm like, no, no, it's, it became, you know, the measuring A tool. tool. Yeah. Um, and so just uh, many different ways. So the Tour de France riders use it for recovery immediately after their workout. So that next day they feel you know much more fresh. They also take it before bed, but a regular consumer will take it anywhere some people take it for appetite suppression effect. So mm. it won't, it won't uh, burn fat, but it'll help you skip lunch. If skipping lunch is hard for you, if it's easy to skip lunch, you take the drink and they're like, it didn't do anything. I'm like, what do you expect it to do? Like double skip? Like, you know, you're already skipping. You already don't have a problem. It's not going to do anything, you know, for you for that. Sure. Um, but people take it as a nootropic 
So for, for mental, many people over the age of 30 have a certain level of blood glucose metabolism issues with their brain. Their brain can't fully run on glucose. Mm -hmm. So they might only be fueled by 70 or 80%. So there's this concept uh, from Steve uh, Kunane uh, called the brain energy gap, where the brain yep. is not being fueled the last 10, 20%. Ketone ester will bypass that blockage. It's just a different pathway. Go to the brain and help fuel you back up to 100%. If you're already at 9900%, you actually might not, you know, notice much of a difference with regards to, you know, the nootropic effect. So recovery, skipping meals, uh, brain fog, um, people use it to help multi-day fasts. They take a small amount every couple hours until their system has already made enough ketones that, you know, adding more ketones, you know, won't do anything. And then ironically, people take it immediately before bed was an hmm. unexpected result and they were able to track 30 minutes more deep sleep. Wow. Um, you have to take a tiny amount. If you take too much, it turns into energy and then it makes your sleep worse. And my wife was cleaning the closet one night around midnight. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, the ketones kicked in. I took too much. <laughs> and I'm like, oops. Um, so you take a smaller amount, even like half of a cap full and people on their aura ring, I'm not wearing mine right now, yeah. um, can record, you know, deeper sleep. And, you know, separately, I think I sent it to you over there. We started a separate company a year ago called Hard Ketones. Oh, yeah. This is what is yeah. a really neat new product. It's the world's first ethanol-free alcohol, which is a really confusing concept, which you know has a lot of learning that we have to do or explaining that we have to do. So all beer, vodka, wine today, all, all alcohols you've ever consumed in the last thousand years are all ethanol-based. People tend to equate the word ethanol and alcohol as if they're the same thing, but they're not. Alcohol is an umbrella. So you have rubbing alcohol, mm. you got hand sanitizer alcohol, and you have ethanol, and ethanol is what you drink. Ethanol converts to acetaldehyde. That's one of the, the main toxin of right. regular alcohol. It's what makes you hungover. It's what gives Asians the Asian flush or Asian glow, the red face. Uh, from drinking alcohol, they can't break down acetaldehyde. It also has many addictive properties, the acetaldehyde. So this is ethanol-free. So this new alcohol called R13-butanediol converts to ketones in the body, but happens to also have as a side effect a buzz. So you get a buzz with some benefits of the ketones. Uh, I wouldn't use a pre-workout or while on a bike, but for it's more for like an unwinding after work type thing. And that one's really, really exciting because we've helped people get off of their only one drink a night. Uh, they don't want to call it an addiction, but you know, every night they have sure. to have a drink to unwind. They take one of these and they, their craving goes away for that one or two. And even one lady, one bottle of wine per night. Wow. She was able to switch over to this. And after a month, she actually switched straight to water. And she's like, sorry, I'm not drinking your thing anymore. I'm like, you went to water. That's great. Like you went from a bottle of wine to two cans to water. And now she just brings it to, you know, parties as, you know, bring BYOB. Huh. So that drink is, uh, is super exciting. I think I sent you the uh, I sent you the the newest one is the Champs, the champagne flavor. Uh, so you sent the oh mule, so ginger mule, mule, and then a, the seltzer and flavor, and the seltzer and a regular seltzer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so those I wouldn't take those before a podcast. I would take I would suggest <laughs> taking you know ten or fifteen mLs of the KE four for a nootropic type effect. People find better word retrieval and just more creativity. You know, a lot of people that you work with are under lots of stress and, and trying to, you know, just wh whether it's in their job or whether the owners of the companies, 
Um, what are some of the things, obviously you're going, those are some great things with meditation and taking care of your health and things like that. But I guess, what are some of the different things that we can kind of take a look at to improve the level of our stress or to kind of get away from that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, it's a lot sits in breathing in, in taking the time to focus on your breath that can help. There are many different breathing exercises that you can do, but often it sits a little bit more in the structure of how your day is set up and how many meetings you have and, and how often do you have like breaks and intervals where you can just chill and relax and don't grab your phone. Like it's often people know what they need to do themselves. You know, hardly ever do I give the, the right answers for people. For them to do what they need to do they already know it themselves we can go through like a list of of possibilities but if people just close their eyes and and think of what works for them it's just a matter of start doing that on a more regular basis it sounds maybe a bit easy <laughs> and cheap but if people want change then they then they need to do that themselves and of course there are things out there that they that they can apply but most of the time like i said before they they know they know what to do. Another interesting thing that we could dive into is sometimes what we see is that organizations or people work in a little bit of an archaic way. Uh, they work with uh, old ways of working. Uh, for an example, they start from at nine and then they stop at five. Sure. Um, with their with uh, they have their meeting structures. They have their uh, old technology and old processes, and all of these processes they just stack on top of each other. So you just get more processes, more old systems, but there are now new tools, new ways of working, new ways of production, new ways of validation, where you can for 10% of the cost, 10x faster, can validate, can design, can build without the need of developers, without the need of almost anyone. And these tools also create space. These tools also reduce stress because if you can validate with new uh, technology, which is like 10 times faster, costs 10% of the normal cost. If you can validate ideas so fast, it takes away uncertainty. It creates space for bigger ideas. It creates room for, it reduces risk. So yeah, it's this dynamic interplay of like technology, taking care of the self, input, and all of these things combined help you and empower you. Does it make any sense for you? No, that's great. And I know like for me, one of the big, big things I've done is um, to help meditate and kind of make sure from a focus standpoint and and I guess knowing that I'm doing it right is um, I use a, a headband called Muse, a mute, the meditation headband. And then that allows me and gives me that neural feedback and, and the feedback that I can look afterward and say, cool, you know, I was able to be my call my mind for three minutes or eight minutes or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and elicit this reaction, and everything. So um, I think that's huge what you're talking about. And, you know, it's getting then, you know, people to apply it because a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, I, I don't have time for all these different things to do and, and, and hacks and, and add on things and all that. So, you know, I guess what, like kind of what's that, you know, to say to the, or what, I guess what is a way to help those kind of people that are 
Yeah, but Joss, it's it's simply not true that people don't have time. <laughs> right. If you spend like four hours and twenty minutes on your phone, of course you have time, but you just choose to spend it in a in a different way. Well, actually, you don't choose it. Your 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 attention is being being grabbed, and you're being gamed, and you're being gamified. Sure. That is what is happening. But that is, um, yeah, of course, almost like an entirely different conversation. But it w- could be fruitful to look at why you do the other things. And it could also be fruitful to look at what your own goals are. Mm. What do you want to achieve out of life? Is it scrolling through Instagram? Oh, fine, then keep on doing that. If you want to achieve other things, then you can look at where you want to end up and then reverse engineer how you're going to get there and just do those things. Like life is not that hard. It's just <laughs> it's that is it's that um, that is a process that works. And then adjust course when you get new when you get new data when you get new insights. And so through this, and what are you know maybe if you can share what are some of the top things that you guys are finding that are coming to market or that are in the market mm-hmm. you know that are helping people you know that like obviously we have entrepreneurs that are watching this and you know just or maybe people that are not entrepreneurs right now and they're but they're in some kind of health state or they need to you know improve their health to some degree what were some of these cool things that you guys are yeah. finding through the fund that that's out there or coming so when we talk about longevity and then you know this is what i explain in the book we have three horizons one is what do you can do today mm-hmm so, and like even today, we all can live to 100 healthy and happy years. Unless you really unlucky in genetic lottery, sometimes, unfortunately, that's the case, you can live to 100 healthy and happy years. And five livers there, your annual medical screening. Second is avoiding bad habits, like smoking is minus 10 years from your life, not always using the seat belts. Uh, or t- minus two years of your life and in more and more addictions and risky choices that you make. Third okay. is a diet, being as heavily plant-based as possible, decreasing your calorie intake and therefore extending your healthy lifespan. Fourth is a physical activity and you don't need to be like to run a marathon for that. You use your wearables to count 10,000 steps a day and that's like half of your physical activity routine every day. That's that's a great start. And feet is a peace of mind, like meditation, sleep, mindfulness, etc. So that's what right. we, you can do today. And well, the, it's all explained in the bonus chapter of the book, and that's why it's twice as long as any other chapter. But my interest in in a different horizon. So <clears throat> the next horizon is what I call a near horizon of longevity innovations. These are technologies and scientific discoveries which will be available to us in the next five, ten, fifteen years. And they're already in the making. This is where we invest through Longevity Vision Fund. And when people ask me, like, what are the three most promising things that we right now have on a pipeline? So one is gene editing and gene therapy. Very soon, we will be able to modify our genes to a certain extent to avoid really rare genetic diseases. Or we're going to be using gene therapy, different gene therapy uh, tools to help us to fight more common diseases like diabetes or cancer or like even this high cholesterol problem. There is a gene therapy drug which is coming to the market, which will be able to help like 40% of the people on the planet. So it's not that rare anymore. The second piece is longevity in the pill. In five, 10 years from now, we're going to have completely different class of drugs on the market, which is 
drugs which will attack aging in its core on the process level rather than you know will try to fight any particular disease like cancer or heart disease or diabetes and it can easily be a drug which we already have today like metformin or rapamycin like metformin is a typical diabetes drug it can it can be repurposed as a longevity drugs and hopefully next year together with the american federation of aging research we're going to start the trial in the u.s where metformin uh, can be used in the context of longevity adding two or three or maybe five healthy and happy years to human lives so that's important or it can be drug developed by artificial intelligence we invested in two companies who use artificial intelligence to compress very expensive and lengthy cycle of drug development. Right now in the U.S., it's $2.6 billion and 12 years for the drug development and testing. Well, that's a lot of money. We want to democratize this space. And number three is our ability to regenerate and replace organs. Similar to old cars, like we can right. extend the resource of the old car today just by replacing spare parts, even an engine. But what if we can do the same with our body? So we invested in different technologies like 3D bioprinting of organs or uh, using different animals to help people to overcome organ shortage for organ transportation. Or we, we invested in an amazing company called like Genesis from Pittsburgh. They actually use our lymph nodes to regrow liver. So they, oh, they, wow. they, yeah, they take donor liver, split it in 50 to 75 pieces. They use very simple surgery to put it inside your lymph node. And then in the course of three to six months, your body and the lymph node regrows a new liver inside your body. We will be able to help so many people. In the U.S. alone, we have 117,000 people who are on the waiting list for organ transplants. Can you imagine that? So that this is the yeah. most yeah. So when we when we're gonna reach the point in next five, 10, 15 years when we can use these technologies massively on a wide scale, uh, it's just another you know 20, 30, 50 years to our lifespan. We can easily break the sound barrier of 122 years. This is the maximum lifespan that we have on the record on this planet. Uh, thanks to this beautiful French woman, she died back in 1997, I think. In the age okay. of 122, and uh, that's it. And then, like, and the and final piece of it, and this is what I call the far horizon of longevity innovations. Um, I have two last chapters in the book dedicated to that. Uh, so technologies are in, and and they will be available to us in the next 25, 50 years. So it's not immediate. Human avatars, human brain AI integration, Internet of bodies, similar to Internet of Things a lot of sensors, nanobots, um, etc. But that's why I have two chapters in the book. So one is dedicated to technological aspect of future living. And the other chapter is called morality of immortality, dedicated to ethical choices. Because think about this, we have created technologies to extend our life. but we right. still haven't created life that we want to extend. 60 to 80% of Americans if, if, when have a ch when they have a choice to extend their life or not, would say no. So we need to work on the ethical side of this world to change so many things to make the world better, so we can actually embrace the idea of longer living. So give us some good tips, you know, that you guys have found, you know, for for, for better sleep and everything else. 
Sure. So one of the best ways to understand why these tips work is to really understand the process of sleep in the brain. So you have two mechanisms for sleep in your brain. One is your melatonin production, and the second is your adenosine production. Throughout the day, your adenosine levels start increasing, and that increases your sleep pressure. And when your adenosine is high enough, your brain is just like, I can't take this anymore. I got to fall asleep. So my number one tip is to manage your caffeine intake. Why? Because caffeine blocks your adenosine receptors. So when you, yeah. So when you drink a cup of coffee, you become super alert because the caffeine is kicking all that adenosine out of your receptors, blocking all the receptors and not letting your sleep pressure build. So that means it's cool to take a cup of coffee at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., even noon, but the half-life of coffee is six to eight hours. So that's the amount of coffee that you have in your system after six to eight hours is just half of what you started drinking, the amount of caffeine. So really you're looking at like 14 hours, 12 hours till it really leaves your system. So if you want to be able to fall asleep easily and stay asleep with good deep sleep, you really want to be stopping your caffeine around noon. Now, everybody's, yeah, I know, gasps all around. <laughs> I mean, I always try to stop it around noon. It's like a cup of coffee in the morning. Well, one thing I found interesting was I did, um, uh, it was like the fitness genes genome thing and all that. And, and w- one of the interesting things I found was, I guess I have a gene that actually processes caffeine fast. Great. So I don't know if that helps me. It totally does. And that's where I was going to go next. So we all metabolize caffeine at different rates. According to 23andMe and everything I know about myself, I am a very slow caffeine metabolizer. Ah. So for me, my cutoff is literally 10 a.m. with two squares of dark chocolate and that's it. If If you're a fast caffeine metabolizer, you can drink coffee later. However, our ability to metabolize caffeine decreases as we grow old. So, you know, in yeah. your 20s, if you're like, yeah, I can have a shot of espresso and then fall asleep, that is just not <laughs> right. the truth when you're 45. Yes, I know. <laughs> that's, not, that's probably the case. <laughs> yeah. So experiment with yourself with caffeine and when the right cutoff is. My next big tip is consistency of timing. So the other system that we have that regulates our sleep is called melatonin. We've all heard of melatonin. We take it to try to help us sleep. So about 90 minutes before bedtime, your melatonin production starts to rise. Rise, 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 rise. When you're at that 90 minute mark after the production rose, then you get to fall asleep really nicely. Um, It stays high, then it starts to lower in the morning, and that's what wakes you up nicely. So our melatonin production is on a circadian rhythm. It is on a clock, and this clock can be set like clockwork by light and also by standard regular timing. So when we start to do things like have super bright lights at midnight or go to sleep at, you know, 9 p.m. one night, 11 p.m. another night, our melatonin production is totally off its cycle. So what you really want to do is try to stay regular in your melatonin cycle by going to sleep at the same time every night, waking up at the same time every morning, and regulating the light on both ends. So that means like 30 minutes before bedtime, dimming your lights. So, you know, whether you're reading, doing your work, whatever it is, make it dim around you to further enhance your melatonin production. And then in the morning, as soon as you wake up, stick a bright light in your eyes, stand at the window, do some exercise, really set that melatonin wake up and you'll feel a lot less groggy and you'll be able to fall asleep faster the next night. No, that's great. And it's interesting you say with the bright lights and all that, because we have a um, 
the uh, was the true dark red kind of where they switch between the red and the, the the normal light modes and stuff. And so at night when we go say goodnight to the kids, they have all theirs on the red mode. Yep. And uh, it, you know while you're in there and you're saying goodnight and prayers, and everything you're like you start to feel yourself getting tired because you, you <laughs> don't have those bright lights. And then as soon as you get out of that area, you know you kind of pick back up and everything. And so I, I think that, you know, plays a huge difference. And, you know, now, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have, but, you know, obviously we have the, the crazy daylight savings times yes. and all that things that happen here in the East Coast. And so that always seems to jack you up, you know, with with the time change and, and making sure you're sleeping right and getting up and t- light. So, yeah, it makes a daylight savings time is really hard. So, I mean, right now we're getting up and it's pitch dark outside. And so we have our entire house set with hue bulbs that are all Mm -hmm. set to mimic our schedule and the appropriate daylight for it. So at 6.45, this quote unquote sun comes up in our bedroom and it's like (laughs) brighten in your face by 7.15, even though it's pitch dark outside for another hour. Yeah, that's a good good idea setting those that way. That way it kind of wakes you up. Yeah, because it is, it's dark out and, you know, in, and like you said, we'd always, we always try to go out in the morning right after we get up and hang out outside and get fresh air and like look up at the, you know, kind of get that sunlight in your eyes and everything. But now it's like, well, shoot, I get up, it's dark. I, I get, get out of, you know, get out of the office. It's dark. Yeah. <laughs> like the only light time is in the middle of the day now. <laughs> and that light really makes a difference even in the middle of the day. So if you've stopped your caffeine consumption at noon and you're starting to feel sleepy at like two, three o'clock, you're like, what do I do? Well, the best thing to do is light and exercise. So substitute what would have been your three or four o'clock caffeine hit with a hop on the exercise bike or 10 jumping jacks and a little walk outside in the sunshine. And you will find that that's going to pick you up and it'll pick you up in a natural way without the caffeine hit. And it'll help you sleep that night rather than hinder it. Awesome. Well, cool. Uh, any any other great tips? I know we've already dove into a couple of them that were really awesome. And then I have like a couple of questions left for you. So my next big highlight is alcohol. So lots of people uh, use booze to put themselves to sleep and it does okay. not work. You may become sleepy due to the alcohol. However, what you're doing is you're disrupting your deep sleep. So your delta rhythms will not be as deep in your deep sleep. And actually the alcohol will wake you up three to four hours later when you get a little sugar hit. So no booze before you go to bed. And think about food and how it might impact your sleep. And it turns out that it can have a pretty profound impact. Typically you want to stop eating about three hours before bedtime. Some of you intermittent fast, so you're stopping much before. Um, But some people wake up in the middle of the night because they're hungry. So if you find you're waking up in the middle of the night, you might want to do like just a couple spoons of nut butter or something that would still be on your keto diet before you go to bed. And you might actually find that that tides you through the night and you're no longer doing your midnight wake up. Now, if you do wake up because you're hungry, do not eat because that's going to set your circadian (laughs) rhythm to wake up every night. Like, (laughs) don't do that. No, 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 no. But if you're finding that you're hungry in the night, just eat a little snack at, you know, bedtime. Midnight snack is not terrible for you because it can actually help you sleep. And particularly if you do carbs, if a little carb and a little protein is the right combination to help your body become sleepy and have the nutrients it needs through the night. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. 
If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, SuccessThinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube. 